Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to episode 50 of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where we aim to give you the knowledge and confidence to step up from residential investment into commercial property investment. And I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. It's great to be back talking with you again. And I don't pretend to know everything about this great investment sector, but by sharing some of my experiences and interviewing people with different specialisms, I really want to give you knowledge and tips to help you see how you, yes, you can make commercial property work. I can't believe it's episode 50 already. So I must thank you, the listener, for tuning in and sharing the message. It's been great to see the downloads increasing every month. And that is down to you. Thanks for the reviews, the shout outs and to you for sharing the podcast with your networks on social media. Amazingly, we've had tens of thousands of downloads and nearly reached 60 different countries. And we've only been going for a few months. So I really appreciate all your support. It's, of course, difficult to mention social media these days without talking, albeit briefly, about Clubhouse. Yes, like many seemingly sensible people around you, I too have succumbed. I've even hosted a couple of rooms and I'll be hosting some more commercial property rooms over the coming weeks. So if you are on the platform, then look out for me at Jerry Alexander. Nice and simple. If you click on my icon and then click on the bell next to the photo, you can then change the settings to be notified every time I'm going live if you want to hear me or not notified at all if you don't want to hear me. That way, if you do have a burning question and you haven't been notified, you can at least reach out and we can say hi. Then we can connect no matter what country you live in. At the moment, I'm trying out around 8pm GMT on a Wednesday evening. I really look forward to getting a chance to speak with you, so please do look out for that. If you've not tried it yet, then at least register a username on Clubhouse for yourself before you need to register something like Jerry underscore Alexander 2395 or something. Those sort of ones that we have to use on these established platforms, but everybody's used every name. Get in there and grab a username now. It's still only on iPhones but I believe Android release will be in the next 90 days or so. Of course, that could be complete rubbish, but that's what I've heard. So at least get your name registered. That's the point. Now, I want to talk to you about something I think is potentially going to become really important to all of us. I've been debating with myself about whether I should discuss this since about November last year. I'm a secret amateur economist. I've no qualifications, so I have to give you that right up front. I've no qualifications in economics at all. But I've read a fair bit and I have been observing it for 20 odd years of being in my own business. And I want to talk to you about inflation. More importantly, I want to pose a question to you. If you knew inflation was about to return, how would you alter your investment strategies? My objective with this podcast is to plant that seed 
in your mind so you can think about it over the coming weeks and months so that you can continue with your day-to-day business whilst keeping an eye on the key matrix that are going on around us. I'm not going to say this is a fait accompli, but I do think the conditions are potentially forming for a perfect storm, and I'm going to go through my logic on that in a minute. Some of this is specific to the UK though, but each country around the world that you might be in may feel some or all of these conditions. So it's not just exclusive to the UK. Now inflation is not necessarily a bad thing of course, but it does depend on your position and your hedging should it come to pass. We've actually had relatively benign inflation for over 10 years and because of that we could all be forgiven to think it's actually been assigned to history. Many politicians would like to tell you so. In fact, some of us have never really even experienced much inflation at all. The last time the UK inflation rate was above 5% was in May 1992. That's 29 years ago. There have been two peaks since then, namely 4.8% in September 2008 and then 4.5% in September 2011. Funnily enough, the last peak, if you could call it that, was again September, this time 2017 at 2.8%. Not really a peak. They are all relating to consumer price index, by the way. And to finish off the September theme, the last significant peak was actually in autumn 1990, where again September shared the peak with October and November of 9.2%. I know for some of you 1990 was either a very long time ago or even before you were born. But just imagine, just imagine for a second, for some reason, inflation returned to anything near that level, even if just briefly. There would be some definite winners and some definite losers. So I'm going to chat about three things. First one, why I think the conditions are coming together for a period of higher inflation. What evidence is there right now about this? What should we be looking out for? And then the third one is, what should we consider doing to hedge against it or at least reduce the potential risks? So the first bit, conditions. Well, let's just have a think about this, right? Masses of money has gone into the system and is ready to be spent. And there's loads of money being stored. So think about this. Companies, lots of companies who have actually been doing okay during COVID have been storing up their money. Not many companies have been investing. A lot of them are shoring up just in case anything else comes along. And individuals have been doing the same thing. They've been paying off credit cards. They've not been going on holidays. They've not even been allowed to go out and have a meal. Birthdays have been cancelled. Going and visiting friends. Going away for weekends. All that sort of stuff. People aren't spending any money on it. And lots of them have been saving up or storing or paying off credit cards. Now, specifically for the UK, leaving the EU will lead to some price increases, at least in the short term, until balance is restored. Because there's just more bureaucracy, there's more things to take care of, perceived risk. So all these things will lead to slight increases. Now, that might balance out. And to attract foreign investment, higher interest rates might help, right? But a low-value sterling would also be attractive. So it's trying to get that balance. But the government has borrowed colossal amounts of money, printed colossal amounts of money, and inflation will eat at that debt, particularly with fixed interest. 
So actually, is it really going to be in the government's interest to reduce inflation to a microscopic level? Or actually, does inflation help when you've got particularly high debt levels? Just a thought. And higher rates of tax could push up inflation depending on where they are. For instance, if it's on the front end of the economy with things like VAT or sales tax hikes, then it will directly affect inflation because those products and services will go up in cost. Other more subtle ones like, in our country, national insurance or PAYE or basically wage deductions, increases in those might push up wages... So it's kind of indirect, but it will push up costs in turn because, of course, the cost of producing something is going to go up. There will be short-term supply issues, of course, as orders pick up because lots of companies have really reduced the inventory. They've not got loads of stock. They've kept things very low. But, of course, there will be a time when things start to pick up. And this is what I'm talking about, really, is when we return to order. And the the dam is slowly released, but at some point it will come gushing out. And the supply might not be there to suddenly pick up with that increase in demand. And shortages will lead to companies and people paying more. Depends how fast that dam's released, doesn't it? So you see, last time around, there was a total lack of money in 2009 during the financial crisis. But this time, there's loads of money around. Admittedly, there are some individuals who've lost work and income. But there are many who have actually possibly even got into a better financial position since we've gone into this pandemic. Mainly for the things I've been talking about. They've just not been spending. They've been saving. The money's been going into the bank account or it's been going into other things which I'm going to talk about in a minute. And it's there ready to be used once the dam is released. And lastly... Why has inflation actually stayed relatively low over these years? And one of the well-documented and key factors that has kept inflation down is a reduction in costs by things like offshoring, moving your manufacturing effectively somewhere else, automation, and the resulting cheaper labour costs have kept products low in cost. However, a lot of the countries that provided that cheaper labour now have burgeoning middle classes who have got more money to spend on the already finite resources of the planet. So you can see where I'm going with this. It really is back to the basic of supply and demand. And if there's tight supply right now, and suddenly there's a major increase in demand because of that damned up flood of money comes out, what's going to happen to prices? Just posing the question, what's going to happen to prices? Now, Let's have a look at a bit of the evidence of what's going on right now. And you might ask yourself, what has this got to do with me buying a shop or an industrial unit in my local area? Well, I'm going to come on to that. It is relevant, believe me. So evidence. Certain sectors have already seen shortages, particularly in construction and home improvements. Due to supply shortages and demand increase, prices have held really firmly, or in fact some have increased. And I'm sure many of you that invest in residential are finding it more and more difficult to actually pin down trades to get stuff done on your redevelopments. Imagine the economy picks up quickly and you can't even get a builder to answer the phone because they're that busy. What will that do to prices that we have to pay? Another interesting part of the evidence is that credit card debt has dropped significantly. According to Experian, credit card debt has dropped by 9% over 2020. 
And in the US, that's by over $73 billion just in a year. And many people have turned to the stock market, cryptocurrencies, even, dare I say, property, to invest their money. They've been looking for other places to put this excess money. The Bank of England committee is expecting a return to that 2% level, that target rate, towards the end of 2021, and they've already said that. But my question is, what will happen after that? So, house prices have been rising, and the anticipated drop in demand has not really surfaced yet. But there is still an underlying shortage of housing stock out there. More families, I'm afraid, will be breaking up after this crisis. There'll be more demand for more stock, and it's going to continue to be strong. So I'm not sure that that housing drop is really going to come along. And I think all these things are going to help lead towards a stronger and stronger case for demand. So what can we actually do about it? Well, the best thing is to learn a bit more about it. Become aware of the implications should it begin to happen. So here are some of the questions for you to think about. Who are going to be the potential winners and losers here? Is someone holding their wealth in cash or in assets going to fare better? So, of course, cash gets eroded by inflation, doesn't it? Basically, if you've got £100 today and you go to the supermarket and you buy £100 worth of goods, using that same £100 in, say, two or three years' time when there's been inflation, you're not going to get the same value. Whereas assets, depending on what they are, should be able to keep up with inflation. Of course, it's a balancing act there, isn't there? Another one much more pertinent to our industry, leases and flexible leasing. So here's an interesting point. Make sure that leases, or better still licences, have a clause for inflation. If you've got an FRI lease, has it got any clauses in there to allow you to review at any point? See, licences you can rejig every 12 months or so. But if you're buying a leased property, one that already has a tenant, what are the mechanisms in there to adjust for inflation, if any? Because some leases might be 10 or 15 years long and they're fixed at, I don't know, let's say £10,000 a year. Is there actually a mechanism there to adjust for inflation? Most of them, the answer is no. Interestingly, we actually had a lease for a rifle range for a period of time. And every year, a clause in that lease meant the rent was increased by consumer price index. So each year there was a small uplift because inflation has not been that high, but there's been a small uplift on the previous year's rent. But of course, not all leases are like that. So if you're buying a new property, to you that is, that's got a lease and a tenant in place, you really need to just have a look and see, is there any actual possibility of adjusting for inflation or not? And if there's going to be ever stricter conditions on the PRS market, the private rented sector, and short assured tenancies, or imagine even a cap being placed on the amount that you can increase completely, then what happens when inflation hits? How's that going to affect your rent that you're charging and the income and offset against where prices have gone to? So watch for the signs. And if you have lots of cash, then you need to change this into an asset, not necessarily a liability, to keep up with inflation or it'll eat the spending power of your money really quickly. Another factor, interest rates. Will they inevitably rise off the back of inflation? And if so, what do you do about it? How does that affect us in commercial property? Well, it might mean that if you're borrowing private money, you might want to get fixed rates. It might mean if you're going for longer term money, you might want to get fixed rates, whether that's private or, or commercial loans. 
So fix what you can. Watch those leverage levels, of course. If things start to go a little bit hairy, you might want to have a little bit less leverage. But think about it from the government's point of view. At the moment, they've got a lot of fixed rate borrowing, haven't they? And actually, the great thing about having borrowings during a time of inflation is it erodes the power of the money. So if you've borrowed X trillion dollars or pounds, and over a year you get a 2 or 3% discount on the value, that's not bad. If it's 5, 6, 7%, it's even better, because what's happening is it's eating up the buying power of that money, as long as everything else has been adjusted. So what might actually happen if inflation does begin to return? What can we expect the Bank of England and the government or your relevant bank or central bank to do about this rise of inflation? Now, the Bank of England will do relatively little to start with because we're underneath the 2% target right now. But when it goes 1% over the target rate, the bank has to write a letter to the Chancellor and explain what's happening and that they think, I'm sure this will go right, is, you know, we think it's all right, things will settle down, it's just because of Brexit and because of this and that and the other thing. And interestingly, it's the government that actually sets the target rate, by the way. The 2% is set by the government, not by the Bank of England. So there is the possibility the government could change that target rate if they feel that's the right thing to do. And of course, the government would be quite happy to get that letter, I would think, at the moment, because it's a sign the economy's rising again. However, by the time the bank does realise they maybe need to do something, the genie might already be out of the bottle. And it may need a swifter response from the bank, which could affect all of us. So the question I want to ask you, the whole point of this brief podcast is, if inflation did return at a higher level, how would that alter your investing strategy? What would you do differently? And indeed, what can you do differently with your portfolio right now if that were to become an eventuality? At some point it will do. And it might be in five years' time, we'll look back at this podcast and think, well, that was a load of nonsense. There's still no inflation. But I think at some point, sooner rather than later, it's going to come back to us. And as I said at the start, there's maybe really the potential of a perfect storm of events here that are building up between supply and demand and the amount of money that's out there that's going to increase inflation. I hope that really helps. Anticipating what's going to happen in your local market is always the most important thing if you're investing directly into commercial property, and you will often hear me say that. However, it is good to keep your eyes open to what might be coming over the horizon in the more macroeconomics. It doesn't mean you need to do anything about it right now, but improving your context all of the time will stand you in good stead for when the bumps in the economy are approaching. If you're just getting started in commercial, here's something to go and do that you can do practically this week. Go and find out what's happening in your local market. Look at where the pains are. Look at where the gaps are. Try and understand how your market is working at the moment. Are there lots of small units? Are there lots of large units? Is there lots of quality space? Is there lots of functional but economic space? Is there no high quality space? Is there shared space? What is it that your market has and what's working really well and where is all the vacancy? And if you're finding there's vacancy in large units, which is typically what we look for, is there something you can do to that unit to change it into the type of space that's letting really readily right now? So go and ask your local agents. If you were to present them with a property, what would be the best property you could present to them right now so they could let it out for you? 
That's a really good question. If you can find out from them what it is they're really looking for, then you can maybe try and work out if any of the buildings that people can't work out what to do with can be adapted to match that demand. So that's just a wee thing you can go and do this week. I hope you've really enjoyed this podcast and I look forward to speaking to you on the next one. Mm-hmm.